Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We need to talk about the fact that there is no baseball to talk about. There's an ongoing or supposedly ongoing CBA uh, negotiation between the players and the owners. I don't know if that's moving one iota these days, but there was a whole bunch of accident leading up to the lockout this week. Here to look at both the optimistic and the pessimistic side of baseball is one of the best in the business. He's been doing it for Sirius XM MLB Network for quite some time. He is the host of Inside Pitch Daily on uh, Sirius XM, Mr. Casey Stern. How you been, Case? Joe, how are you, buddy? How's everything? I'm okay. Glad to hear you're okay. But the sport that we love is yeah. not quite okay. That's a problem. I say, you said we're going to talk baseball. I mean, really, that's the only thing you could do is talk about it. So you and I right now have as good a chance to play in the league this year as anyone. So I feel like that's a good thing. It, it, you know, <laughs> We can play and we can call ourselves Major yeah. League Baseball because they won't actually be playing Major League Baseball oh, come God. February or March. Yeah, uh, you're not kidding. Let's let's do the negative stuff before we get to some of the fun stuff that everybody hustled to get some deals done before the lockout kicked in. Um, you've been doing this a long time, almost as long as me. Uh, and I've always been able to get a pretty good finger on the pulse of the negotiations, whether there is a lot of ground to make up, some major issues to get over. I know it's always about the money, and it's certainly going to be about the money this time. Uh, when they shut it down... Uh, they were at the position they were at. They'll now c- try to continue to compromise and try and find a middle. How much time it's going to take, neither you nor I nor anybody knows for sure. But um, compared to other work stoppages, uh, further divide, a doable divide. Jody, this one item is going to kill them from getting a deal. What's your finger on the pulse say about where we sit right now, right after the lockout? Well, I, look, I, I think it's comparably as bad as a situation as I can recall, really, in, in any sport where we face anything like this. And it's sad because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about everybody around the game, the late Michael Weiner, and how the labor piece was such a big thing that was right great for the game. Uh, now here we're on the other side of it. I, I think two things are at play, and, and that doesn't mean that can't change, but you know, somebody in the game of chicken is, is going to have to give in. The two things that, to me, make it that, I don't want to say dire, but I think in a kind of war games, you know, DEFCON 5 kind of a scenario, one is, is the commissioner. I've talked to you about this before, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years. 
you know, one of the, the things that has happened here is we always know the commissioner in this sport is playing for the owners, right? He's the representative of whatever they want to do pretty much. We get it. But we now have a situation where, which is rarefied air, this is a guy who used to negotiate on behalf. That was his job, right? Yep. He was the guy who negotiated on behalf of the owners against the players. That is the dynamic that has been in everything that he's done. And I know I've said this to you before. I've said this countless times over the last year or so. Just take the Sunday night. It was a Sports Center Sunday conversation. Remember, they're the commissioners of all the leagues. And he, baseball had figured out basically the day or two before that they, they weren't going to get back on the field yet, right? They couldn't agree. You don't take that spot. But he took it, I think, purposely and laid out the players as if everything was their fault. When you have a two-on-one, like a handicap match that's being refed by Shawn Michaels in some WrestleMania, you've got a problem. I think that's number one. The second thing is there is such a bitterness and a scorned lover feeling from the, the players that they're afraid of anything that happens. If you go back to even some of the discussions last year, the league had come out without need, really even needing to be asked and said, hey, look, if we do eight games less, we'll still pay you for those eight games, which even though it's small, it's something definitely that the league would be petty in in this kind of scenario. And the players were looking for what, what that meant. What was it, what vindictive, you know, kind of design do they have? What are they going to do? Wait, but they want to give us extra playoff teams? And then you had players, remember, Jody, saying, well, we think it takes money away. How can it take money away? Look at the other teams, right, and players who get money. They are so scorned. And Tony Clark, to me, has bought into that, which is unfortunate. And, and those are the two problems. I, I think really it comes down to the league's going to have to kind of get the players to buy in and give in a little bit more than they have. And without Rob Manfred being a little bit more neutral, I don't know how that's going to happen. All right. Of the two guys, Manfred and Tony Clark, who has got more the backing of their uh, group, of the people who they represent, who they're fighting for? Are the owners stronger behind Manfred than the players are behind Clark, or is it vice versa, that no, the players think, are comp- – I think the owners are stronger, Jody. I do. I really do. Because, they look, again, going back to it, he has defended – beyond defended them, he has basically – sat there and been their front man for all of this. And, you know, they have, now look, there was a situation where Randy Levine had to make a call and say, no, you get on a plane and get to Arizona, meet with Tony Clark and get this done because he didn't want the Yankees to not have money and not play a season, right? So they always can kind of, you know, go ahead and, and pull the card and, and you know, I, I hate to say this, but go ahead and, you know, get the, get the, make sure the jockey's doing what he needs to do in the home stretch. But Rob Manfred has been out there in front for them on their behalf and they've been successful for the most part, the owners have. Because, look, they have made money hand over fist. They have been able to hide the amount of finances that they had. The players, even though they don't outwardly, I think, say it, a lot of them behind the scenes, well, we're not sure. Not just Tony, it's that group. I don't think there's a confidence at all in the group. And what I haven't understood, and I've asked players this, and look, with a union, you know this, it's difficult, right? Because they're not going to step out, whether well, they trust you or not. They just... They're not going to do that. Even though you have eight voices you hear that are players, everybody's involved. But I'm surprised, Jody, that over this entire time after what I thought was a debacle last year, where you've got your own players talking about what they make after taxes, right, like Blake Snell, which to me that is, that's not his fault. He's in his early 20s. That's who's in charge, right, who's out in front. I'm surprised that there wasn't more talk about a change being made 
I, I think I, I really do believe the owners are way stronger behind Rob Manfred in terms of confidence. I do. Fair enough. Casey Stern, Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. I, uh, baseball is the only of the four major sports that doesn't have a cap in place. NFL, NBA, NHL all do. Um, with those sports, it's real easy because, you know, it's always about the money. So it's going to be the percentage of the gross revenues that the players are going to want a bigger piece of. How, if the players need to get more money in this deal, how are they going to go about doing it? Where, where is going to be the compromise? Where is going to be the hard line that the owners are going to take if more money needs to be put in the players' pockets? How, how do they go about doing it in this negotiation? It's a great question. I think it all comes down to, and seemingly, you know, a lot of this has come down to the playoff situation. And, you know, in my opinion, because I, I think the total was – something crazy like and i'm talking about the covid season that playoff as disjointed as it could have been it was pretty great right i mean like 300 million dollars was some huge number when you have extra teams i hate that it's diluted you probably do as well i don't want 14 i think 12 is okay i think 14 is too much but the more teams that are in it the more players that can show off melvin formerly bj upton had one great postseason and made 75 million dollars because of it. And that's just one of many, I'm not trying to get on him, but you and I know there have been tons of examples, right, of that kind of a thing. Those things alone are going to be reasons why players want to be on that stage. If I'm in a small market and I got a chance, let's say I'm not free yet, right, I'm in arbitration, to get out on a deal at some point, I, nobody's watching me in Kansas City. But you're telling me I could sneak in and go, I win, you know, two out of three and now I'm in a, a round on, on, you know, the big screen everywhere and everybody's, you've got those opportunities to me make them more money. Can the league sell that even if you're not going to have it shown in exact revenue dollar, right, and share, but opportunity to earn your own revenue, is that going to be enough? I don't know. Because I think the playoffs and how they handle that has something to do with it. My opinion, just lastly, has always been with that, with this league. This gives them an opportunity, if they're going to dilute it this way, to drop down to 154 games or 150. I know the stats won't matter. I, I get all that, right? But at some point, it's too long. It's too many games. And you want to make sure at the end of your season, you don't have a Max Scherzer who can't use his arm, right? You've got to have that playoff. If you're going to have it that busy and that dynamic, be great. It's one of the reasons the NBA has so many days off in between is they make sure to try and give you the best product with healthy players. I think baseball's got to at least consider if the playoff dollars for revenue are going to be so high, the amount of games in the regular season shouldn't matter as much. I think you have to shorten either the season or spring training by a week, something to not have you sitting there in November playing baseball. All right. You mentioned arbitration because I've always thought that might be a place where the players can get a compromise, that it's a three-plus, two-plus thing now where players can get to arbitration for the first time. I can't see the owners budging on the six full years but could they move the arbitration date some and say get the players get there a little bit quicker so that that could add some dollars to the uh, bottom line? Because that, that's been in place now for quite some time, and they came up with the arbitrary number of a certain percentage of players, two-plus. Is there some wiggle room there? Is that something that can actually be something to get the deal done when they get down to the nitty and the gritty? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think, as you alluded to, the hard part is, it, it, it's so sad, by the way. You want to think about, going back to the first question, and, and think about what this word means, control, right? Like ownership, their own teams. 
they own the players, right? We want to control you. But that's what everything's about is years of control. So I agree with you on the years not changing. I, I, I believe there's wiggle room there. I also think, you know, another point of contention, similarly, Jody, related to this, has been, and I've always hated this, I, I remember just one situation that's always stood out is you know, poor Kyle Loesch, who, if you remember, he had that one great postseason with the Cardinals, right? And he, was, he, was, he actually started, I think, opening day next year. He was, he was great. Everything was wonderful. He's a free agent, and he's got a chance to get overpaid. And he ended up missing, I think, three months of the season and then got to deal with the Brewers because he was tied to a draft pick. And those things, when you're talking about control and owners are trying to save money years down the road, right, and you're working in the model of the Rays and some of these other teams that have won, they're really difficult to deal with. They hamper players, and I think more so they hamper agents who get too greedy and they wait too long. I think doing something about freeing the play it's not the player's fault. I don't think if the team has to go ahead and forego a draft pick in something in that kind of a scenario, that the players should get hit the way they've been hit. Maybe there's a way they can kind of finagle that a bit to allow the players to be really free agents because I don't think people understand that is a big deal. If you are tied to a pick, as much as to me and you, it's like, okay, how many, Mike Trout, there were 20 guys picked before, and what did they do? I, I think to the, the agents and the players, that's a very big deal if you could somehow release some of that leash and that rein over that draft pick tie to some of those free agents. Nice segue uh, into turning it into the deals that Dater didn't get done before yeah. they went into lockout. Michael Conforto turned down the uh, tender from the Mets, which means he is tied to a draft pick. Uh, Mets did a lot before, and I know you're a Mets guy. I don't want to ask you about the moves they make and, uh, made and how, how improved are they, but is Conforto one of those guys who a team will say, yeah, we'd like to, and yeah, we're close to the numbers, but we don't want to give up that draft pick. Mike, we like you, but we don't love you, and we got to give up a high draft pick to get you. Is he one of those guys you're referring to that can truly handicap a player? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think, you know, here's the hard part with this. The whole gamble on yourself thing, you know, we always tell the stories where it works. There are times where it doesn't, right? Like Ian does for example, years ago, right? And it worked out okay because the Rockies paid him 80 mil to play first base. So it worked out okay. But you get the point. I, I think it comes down to, unfortunately, sometimes luck in musical chairs. I mean, Mike Moustakis, I remember years ago, got screwed by this. He was highly sought after the deadline. The Royals didn't make any deals. All of a sudden, Devers comes up with the Red Sox. The Yankees find her shell out. I know every third base spot was that Longoria with that somehow is in, in, in with the Giants where he wanted to go back home. He can't go anywhere. And if you're taking your chump change one-year deals to try and kind of earn yourself back out to the market, the thing with Conforto, because of the fact that his age still, I think, presents a lot of opportunity in the future, as long as there's a team that can, can really, I think, look at him as a long-term fit, because it's really about years. Look, I'm not giving up a draft pick if I'm going to give you a two-year deal. If I'm giving you a six-year deal, and I think you're worth that, and that's what you're going to add to my team. And I don't really care. I, I think what hurts Conforto are guys like Nick Castellanos and others who are still available who might be as outfielders getting deals like that who are coming off of way better seasons than he just had. Agreed. Ah, uh, the pillow deal. That's what yes, uh, the agents right. like to call it. Yep. Yeah, you and I see it the same thing. I call it the it, Band-Aid. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not good enough to get your long-term deal. Right. Thank you very much. Right. All right, uh, Conforto aside, how improved are your New York Mets? I very much so. I mean, look, first of all, anybody, we analyze it, right? So, and I'm saying when I'm not on the fan hat in this case, 
you you look at it from what they spend. If you're a fan, you don't care how much money they spent. Steve Cohen's rich. He's not going to hurt from this. Doesn't matter what happens. Good for them. Everybody wishes they rooted for a team that spent money. I grew up with a family full of Yankee fans, all who had George Steinbrenner, and I was an Islander fan, and John Spano with 75 cents in ball. <laughs> right? So it's like, I'm like, so that's number one. I don't care what they spent. You have to do the Max Scherzer deal. You don't bring Stephen Matz for a homecoming. So that worked out great, I think. Um, I, I loved, and, and this may get forgotten a bit with the, the Scherzer part, but I said this before the offseason. I've been saying this throughout the course of things that I thought, for me, Starling Marte was the perfect fit. I was shocked because that rarely ever works for the Mets. That was a fantastic signing for them. Because, look, people are going to say, well, you know, legs and this, and he's playing center field. He can play the corners well as well. But they are the slowest team known to man. You and I both know this. For how many decades? I I mean, I made a joke on Twitter. How many times would he lap John Olerud if they raced around the bases? (laughs) The Mets haven't had an exciting player like that since the young Jose Reyes was on the team, right, when he came up. That's going to be, I think, a great thing to infuse some energy. I think they still have more work to do. I know they're in on Chris Bryant. I I still look for, personally, Jeff McNeil to be moved. I don't think he's going to be on the roster opening day. I don't expect him to be on the team. I think either Bryant is at third base. Uh, and you see a guy like uh, you know Escobar over at second. They may work things, whether it's uh, you know Kyle Seager and someone else. I, whoever the mix is, the Frankie Lind- the Lindor thing with McNeil was more than even just kind of what we saw. And I think with the yelling at himself after all the, I, I think that wore on everyone in the, in the room. I don't expect him to be on the team opening day. Who are they gonna get for a manager? Uh, it's a good question. I, I think they certainly are going to have a lot of people who are way more interested now than they were. Look, Buck Showalter has been mentioned a lot, and I think for good reason. Understands New York. He's great, as you and I both know. He's, he's hilarious, and his dry sense of humor is amazing. He's great with the media because of that. And with some of the things with the Mets, you're going to need that kind of sense of humor. You can't be, now, you can't be Mickey Callaway for a lot of reasons, but you certainly can't be where you have to have two press conferences in an hour because you don't apologize the right way, right? So... You've got to have a presence there. So I, I understand. He's also in-game is, is, is fantastic, and he's going to present a discipline that it seems like the team has not had. So I think it's a good fit. To me, Bruce Bochy is the guy that would be amazing to get because you're trying to win now. You don't bring him back. They are trying to win in the next two years and go get a World Series. Bruce Bochy, I always thought, was going to end up maybe finishing his career coming back to San Diego to start you finish what he started. But now with Bob Melvin there, that's not happening, and he knows that. That's not going to open soon, and he knows that. Would he come east? I have no idea. But that absolutely is the guy I'd look at because when that guy walks in the room, nobody's saying a darn thing. And if you see what Dusty Baker, and I know he didn't have the level of success Boats did in terms of winning World Series, but what happens with everyone in the room when a guy that you know you kind of have to respect like, he already owns the room because, hey, that's Bruce Bochy. Not just because his head's big, but because his ego should be with all the World Series. That's a guy I would go after. I really think they need a presence, Jody, and somebody who's won. I love, look, Joe Espada, Don Kelly. These are all the great candidates that they've brought up. In my opinion, this is absolutely a scenario where you go get, not Tony LaRusso old, out of the game that long, but somebody who has won, won at a high level, who's looking to cherry-pick a title. That's the kind of guy I'd be looking for. I'm a big Bochy fan, always have been, always will be. And I went to the track with his brother a couple of years ago, right as uh, Bruce was announcing that he was retiring. So I got a chance to ask his brother at the end of the year, is he done? Is he coming back? He goes, Jody, he's retired now. 
I said, okay, that's all I need to know. So hey, I, I think you and I have a chance to see Bruce Bosey manage again this year. All right. I'd be going after him. That's the guy I'd want if I were the best. Time frame. Are we going to see any movement? First of all, have the uh, winter meetings officially been canceled? Yes. Yep. Okay. So all those people looking for a job or whatever, they're not going to have any no, gathering? No, job fair. They did, but if they're there, they can go to Disney World or hang uh, out. Have a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> you think Rob Manfred will pick up the, the tab? I, I'm, for the Pro Bowl. I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing not. Um, when did when do we at least see somebody start uh, to sweat and we get to see a meaningful conversation? If it takes an owner to tell the general manager, the, the commissioner to get on a plane or the players to yeah. tell Tony Clark, get your you-know-what to New York, uh, is there going to be anything before the first of the year? I, I think the play, and, I, and this is the scariest part of all of this, and I, and I mean this, the players as a group are so together, and Rob Manfred is a large part of what has increased and strengthened that, which is bad for us, right, as fans of the game. I think bad for the league, too, in my opinion. Like, I, I, that doesn't help, right? I get the point where he has to be, but you could do a better job with it. It's like, you know, David, you, you think about the commissioner, Adam Silver, who was on the phone with, like, every player during the COVID thing about when to come back and everything, and then Rob Manfred is like, they don't even talk to the players, right? Uh, because of how strongly I think together the players are, I think it's going to take just like the scenario I brought up before where Randy Levine was like, no, we got to play. The Yankees got to make money. I think the league's got to get scared. And I think the league's got to give in somewhere or push or find a way to, you, I, you know, behind the scenes show some sort of, I think, soul with this. Because if they continue to hold their ground, the league, I don't think, is going to move. I really don't. Now, that sounds stubborn, and it's crazy, but to kind of bring full circle, there isn't a cap. Think of the amount of money a lot of these players have made. The strongest voices are always the richest guys and the richest agents, and they don't care if you sit for a while. They don't. That's not good news. I appreciate no, your insight. I, I appreciate your I mean, being. I don't know if you agree, but that's what I worry about. That's what I worry. About. I think yeah. it is a very legitimate uh, stance to have going into this. I hope you're wrong, uh, yeah, you but do. but yeah, you do too. But I do appreciate your candor and your honesty, Mister Stern. It is always a pleasure whenever you and I get together. Thank you much. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 